This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. Hey everybody, today's guest is my good friend Jeff Rosenstock. Jeff and I go way back from his days with not only the arrogant sons of bitches, but bomb the music industry as well. Jeff picked his song Nausea to discuss today and I was really floored by this song. At first glance I thought it was just a bunch of nonsense words, kind of thrown together but I couldn't have been more wrong. Jeff shares the highly personal story behind the inspiration of the song that he's previously never spoken about. I don't want to give away too much more than that, but it was truly riveting and was a left turn that I didn't expect. Uh, Jeff talks about the importance of being super prepared as he enters the studio to record, but also how spontaneity during that process is equally important. And we talk about how Jeff has really hit the big time. He's upgraded from his early days of crashing at Motel 6's on the road to exclusively staying at Baymont Inn and Suites. Must be nice, Jeff. <laughs> For all this and much more, stay tuned. Uh, you know, I want to give a little backstory to Jeff here. Jeff uh, has a has had an amazing career. He started out. Uh, I don't know if he started out, but one, I, I I knew Jeff from the arrogant sons of bitches who were. Uh, you guys are just like uh, Long Island legends. Uh, you know, uh, uh, from the ska punk world, and uh, of course from there, Jeff went on to bomb the music industry. And uh, you know, I just I I really love the fact that you know you you struck out solo as just Jeff Rosenstock and. Your career is bigger now than than it's ever been, and and congratulations. That is Thanks, really Chris. that's really awesome, man. Because uh, I, I've thought over the years of like, ah, oh, what if I did a solo thing and this and that, and and, it, and it's scary. And not a lot of people can 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 do that and be more successful from what they were were known. So I, I commend you, and uh, again, congratulations. Thanks, Chris. That's nice of you to say. Yeah, I, I didn't. I. I, it's surprising to me as it would be to anybody that, 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 that the solo thing worked out. I was just kind of like, all right, well, I'm making songs. This is my name. Let's go. And then, no, I mean, obviously you laid you know, a lot of, uh, laid a lot of groundwork over the years, but, but man, you just, uh, you're killing it and I'm, I'm proud of you. And, uh, I'm really glad that you, you, you picked the song that you did. Uh, Jeff picked, uh, thanks Chris. Yeah. Jeff picked nausea and, and, and nausea is just, this song's crazy. And I have so I have so much that I that I want to get into and, and, and talk about this. This track came out in uh, 2015 um, on on the record We Cool and uh, set this one up for us. So t- take us back. Um, were you uh, in between records when you wrote it? Did you write it specifically for We Cool, or is this a holdover you had from the bomb days? Uh, set it up. Um, I don't. I I I don't know if I was like writing we cool necessarily i was probably just writing songs at home i think this is even before like the thought of we cool was there um and uh i had i I had just gotten um a wurlitzer uh for my 30th birthday uh my very wonderful wife uh partner uh, Christine, uh, found one cheap. I'd been looking for one for like a decade. She finally found like an affordable one. And, uh, this was like after bomb had broken up, um, before I'd really started even considering like doing music again, like as a thing, like going on tour or anything. I was just writing songs at home and I was like, I'm going to put them out on the internet. I'm going to get a job and that's fine with me. I was on tour for a long time. That's cool. I'm just going to write songs and chill. Uh, and I was like on my way to a job interview um, and I was like out the door and I just kind of like walked over to the piano, just like, you know, just like plunk around a little bit anxiously before I left for this job interview that I was like really hoping I would get um, and kind of just played out the first like verse of nausea. And it was like, oh, shit that's good. I was like, oh, fuck. And like recorded to my phone. It was like, oh, fuck. And then I was just kind of like thinking about it uh, throughout like the job interview that I was supposed to be paying attention during <laughs> and like uh, just kind of like it building a bit in my head and like 
just over time, like turning into a song, you know? Well, you know, and for those who don't know, a Wurlitzer is is a fancy word for a piano that his wife got him. So I just yeah, wanna, it's wanna, like an electric piano. If you elect- listed a "Where It's At" by Beck, that's a Wurlitzer. <laughs> and you know what? What I love about this track is it's like. 30 it's like i don't know it's like a frankenstein song there's a million things in here and it's just every turn i just i'm like whoa what is that and just from a songwriting standpoint and why i love my podcast so much is just uh it's fascinating i could i could never write a song like this it's got so many twists and turns and so many cool things um so so you get you you get home from that job interview did you go right back to the piano and and, and start working on it no probably not i mean that's not like I, I, especially at the time, uh, I just don't think that's where, that's like how I was writing songs. I, I was just like, oh, cool. That's a thing. And like, it was just something that, um, I guess like a holdover from the bomb days, uh, especially writing our last record vacation. Like a lot of it was written, um, while, I was doing truck driving in New York City, like doing pickups and drop-offs for um, a prop company. And just kind of like, like when things would come to my head, I would just try and like think about it and build it in my head. Uh, And just that would just happen over time. Like that's how I was writing songs. I wasn't really like sitting down with a guitar. I was just kind of like trying to think of what would be cool and then figure it out later. so I think with that song, like I can also remember waiting at a train station like uh, like a few weeks later and like thinking of the chorus and then just being like, oh, and this all makes sense together. Um, and it kind of just came together like that. Uh, and then there's there's a bridge in that song. I don't even know if it's a bridge. It's just like kind of a, a repetition of the verse. And it was something that I was like, I'm going to fucking fix this and make this a cool part at some oh, point. Oh, oh, oh we're going to get we're going to get it to the record. It's just like, uh, all right. <laughs> Didn't no, do that. It's a great it's a great part. Like I said, we're we're going to get there. We're going to start okay. at the top. We're going to start at the top here and comb okay. through this thing in a second. But I just wanted to kind of what the hell haven't you done? You hang out at truck stops. You go to job interviews. You drive trucks. Uh, you play in the friggin Bruce Lee band. You played in a ton of bands. You, you compose music for the Cartoon Network for a series called Craig uh, of the Greek. I mean, yeah. what ha- what you know, you produce bands. I mean, geez, Jeff, take it easy on yourself. Um, so uh, was was the music and you just touched on the on the bridge part do you remember if the music was written as like a complete idea before the lyrics or were you kind of like scatting lyrics at this point there is like i i knew the song was called nausea um and like it was probably i i think the like voice memo file i have it is me just like playing the piano thing and saying like and like just kind of knowing that was a melody and knowing that word was in there. Um, I, I've been trying to think, uh, I, cause the song is about like, uh, like a really, really sad thing, which is when, uh, basically when I was on a solo, I don't know, is it time to get, is it time to get into that? Or it, it's, I, it's, it's absolutely yeah. time to get no, into it, that. So no. it's basically, I was on like, I was on a solo tour. Um, and, uh, I like I had played a show where I made a I made a I got I got like a good guarantee for a show and then I had a day off in Minneapolis and I was hanging out with some friends and I was like should I fuck it should I get a hotel that's got a hot tub in the room tonight and they're just like <laughs> yeah fucking do it I was like oh my god I feel like so much punk guilt like setting in and also like rent guilt just thinking like <laughs> okay well like I and, at the, and now I'm like this extra forty dollars that that cost really. It, like at the time it was it was like all right that's some ball do of, this. That, that's some ball of rock star shit it was a, it was a baymont inn and suites <laughs> by the way chris i don't know if you've stayed it's like are you familiar with the baymont are, are you, inn and are suites you, are you kidding it's like it's just a step up from motel six of course yeah but they have hot tubs in the room it's like in between super eight it's i like first of all super eight fuck super eight i'm like that's like that's like an expensive motel six i don't know what happened there but it's like it's like the dream of super eight realized with like a cheap room with the hot tub in it <laughs> anyway so like i um so i get this like room with a hot tub in it and like i get a bottle of wine i like stopped at like the fucking 
anarchist bookstore that day and like picked up like uh, the new comet buzz. I was like, oh, this is sick. I'm just gonna like get high and get drunk and fucking pass out in a hot tub. And that's gonna be awesome. And then the next morning, uh, I woke up to a voicemail um, from my friend Matt Flood telling me that our mutual friend Mitch Doobie had been murdered in his apartment. Oh. Uh, and it was just like such a I like it, it it finding that out changed uh, like I I was just so like so stunned I still like even just thinking about it right now is just like a stunning thing like someone just kicked down the door to their apartment and just like immediately shot Mitch and then uh told his roommate who's another friend of mine Andy was just like give me all your stuff uh and Mitch was just this. I don't know if you ever crossed paths with paths with Mitch Doobie. Uh, he was I, in I he was from L.A. He like he had booked, um, I guess, probably the first Bob the Music Industry show in Los Angeles, uh, but also was just like so nice when we like when I had first met him. He was like another friend of ours brother and that I found out that he was also booking the show and he was like, hey, come swim to my dad's house. Hey, let's go to the beach. Let's hang out. And like then he moved over to the East Coast and he like just kind of instead of like growing out of punk, just really dug in even harder and opened up a bike shop. And when um, he, when like my bike had gotten stolen in Brooklyn, he had hit me up. It was like, yo, man, next time you're in Connecticut, like stop by, hit me up. I'll just, I'll make you a bike. It'll be sick. And I, and I remembered like, I never really got back to him. I'm like, I'm pretty bad at staying in touch with people. Uh, and I never got back to him. And then that was it. And I was just like, it just kind of, uh, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's like a sad thing to put a lot of perspective on stuff. And, uh, this song just kind of ended up being about, that being about Mitch, but also being about also about the feeling of like, you know, having uh, taken time with somebody for granted uh, because you're kind of just too uh, you're like your judgment is just kind of too clouded by like self doubt or self hatred or fucking whatever to just like open up and talk to somebody and know that like, it's okay to just like talk to your friends and like, it's okay to dip out for a while too. Like yeah. all that stuff's okay. Um, but just kind of like, you know, it's a, it's about that stuff. So wow. it's weird. So it's like starts out as just like, ah, see, uh, fucking, Hey, I'm in a hot tub. But then well, no, no. And, and, shit, I, you know? and I want to get into that first first, but what you just said is, is, uh, uh, it's fascinating. Um, from a songwriting perspective, because just reading these lyrics and don't take this the wrong way. I mean, I just thought maybe cause the first line, a line in the song is held in a bong hit sitting in a yeah. hot tub in South <laughs> Wisconsin. So I'm like, yeah. okay, he got high and he just did some stream of consciousness. Cause the lyrics, man, they're kind of all over the place. And I mean, yeah. That I mean that with love, <laughs> and, <Thanks>. I, <laughs> and we're going to get into them. And and now that you you spoke of your friend uh, and his uh, horrific uh, murder, um, I can read between some of the lines here. And wow, it's it's kind of now they're sticking out at me, which I never would have gotten that from this. Yeah, I I think of I think something that I try to do when I'm writing songs about heavy stuff is like to me it's just like so super obvious. But I really am trying to write it from a perspective where like. I, where like hopefully like if it works it gets to the emotional core of it and it's there like through the words not necessarily what they mean necessarily but just kind of like i don't know not just be like hey right here's a fucked up thing that happened you know kind of more on the i don't know m more like on the pavementy side of writing lyrics where when you listen to like a pavement song you know, some of the lyrics just, you're just like, what the fuck is he talking about? But like, you, but, but like you feel it uh, and you don't really know why. Like that's kind of the stuff that I like a lot of the time. And I think would talk about something super heavy. And also I just like, you know, I don't really, I, I don't know that I've really talked about what the song is about too much uh, to people because I'm just trying to be respectful of my friend Mitch and like, you know, his close friends and his close family and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, well, and, there, so there's a bit of like masking that I feel like I had to do that. I didn't want it to be like this song is about this, you know? 
Yeah, no, and I and I really respect what you just said, and I appreciate you sharing it with the listeners. And I think they're going to find it just as as amazing as as I am right now. It's it's really they per- better. Well, it's it's really <laughs> it's it's really personal stuff, you know. And th- yeah. and, and and thank you. Um, you know, I want to get into talking about you know, your, your vocal delivery and somebody commented in this, in this song, if you haven't seen the video guys, check out the, the video to, to nausea. It's, it's crazy. The video is really, <laughs> really cool. It's got 847,000 YouTube views, which, which is outstanding. And someone could comment, I was reading the comments and someone said, this, this song is really hard to sing along to. And I don't think they're talking about the chorus. The chorus is very catchy and it's pretty easy to sing, but you got a, you got a really crazy delivery that we'll, we'll get into here in a moment. The, 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 the song okay. starts out. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I mean that, I mean that again with love. Um, <laughs> the, the song, uh, starts in the key of C major goes to a minor F to G and that's pretty much the theme of the song and it starts out with piano and that first lyric uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the the first uh, part of the first verse uh held in a bong hit sitting in a hot tub in south wisconsin i feel amazing when i'm all alone switching between porn and robocop yeah <laughs> so so was porn and robocop in in the uh baymont suites when you were yeah in the hot tub? That, that's just what was on tv it was like some <laughs> hbo like real sex shit and then like robocop on the other channel and just be like cool <laughs> so, so the, the cool like, like this is a uh what better two things to be on tv tonight <laughs> sounds like a party to me um yeah all owed it's funny there's a man <laughs> so the, the 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 second half of that that first part of the first verse um when it says i feel amazing that's when the band kicks in and when you when you hit the word amazing there you go into falsetto which yeah. i've I can do falsetto, but it's not believable. I want to hear it. And I can't. <laughs> can you do it right now? <laughs> um, oh, but, yeah, uh, you, got like, you got like hair metal ha- a falsetto. That's, 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 that's exactly why it's not good. Um, no. But, uh, <laughs> but no, you, you, you pull it off convincingly. And, and again, the lyrics being abstract, but being about something so serious. Uh, you were mentioning Pavement a moment ago. There, there's a believability here that I hear through this song when I listen to it, it sounds real and it sounds honest. Thanks. Um, we get into the, well, second- it's funny to me that you describe it as abstract. Cause it, when I like am looking at the verse, I'm like, I'm just literally describing a night, you know? Well, it's not abstract. It's pretty literal what's here, but it's not in one sense as I'm reading it, I'm like, it's not believable. It's like, okay, some guy just wrote <laughs> this down, but yeah. I know from talking to you and what you're explaining, this is exactly what was going on, which is, yeah. aw- which is awesome. Um, the second part, the band's still, still in the second part of the first verse is turned off my cell phone, drank a bottle of wine and read a Comet bus. For those who don't know, that's a Comet bus magazine. Aaron Comet bus played in a band called Sh- uh, crimp shrine, who I was a huge fan of. Um, crimp shrine are so sick. So that's, that's an obscure reference in, in the, in, in there. How were you really reading a, a Comet bus at that moment? Yeah, I was reading, uh, <laughs> I think it was the, I think it was the green day one. Have you been keeping up with Comet bus with the zine, by the way? I honestly haven't. And now that it's you're fucking ne- awesome now you're it's like interest it's, it's like it, they're the green day one is crazy uh i just i'm in the middle of reading the newest one where he's like it's called post-mortem and he's basically like traveling around to like the offices of epitaph and thrasher and all these like kind of punk institutions that have survived or punk institutions that have failed just being like all right what went wrong with like the dream of 90s punk like how did we fuck this up um, it's fascinating. There's one that we interviewed a bunch of like comic artists and cartoonists and stuff. Uh, Comet Bus is like really good right now, Chris. Yeah, I, I feel I, like as a as a fan, you'd be you'd be stoked to check it out. I I'm I am going to check it out. You've uh, repeaked my interest. It, it's uh, that that that's awesome. Um, after the Comet Bus line, you sorry. get into uh, no, don't be sorry at all. No, I'm 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 glad you were sharing. We're talking about Aaron Comet Bus because I feel like. Uh, the whole world should know him. I've always loved his writing. I've loved his yeah. perspective. He's 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 amazing. Nothing but it's, nothing but mad respect for him. He owned like a or owns. I don't know. He probably still owns it, even though I moved away from Brooklyn. Maybe all the businesses are still there. Uh, he uh, owns a really great store called Book Thug Nation in Brooklyn, which is like the best used bookstore I've ever been in. It's super small. All the books are good. It's just like it's rad. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Um. 
so after you're reading a comic bus, we're still in the hot tub. We're 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 baked. Um, we're we're, yeah, we're, we're we're fucked up. We're, we're fucked a up. Time. We're a little drunk. Um, it says uh, passed out, naked, shriveling. Uh, I don't want to know what's shriveling, but uh, oh, just like pretty hands. <laughs> it's not about you know. Stumbled to bed in a fucked up sleepwalk, and then it gets to this chorus, and the chorus is just so damn catchy, and it goes into like I don't know, just like this fifties almost like Phil Spector thing. The drums are doing that dot 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 drum beat and. Um, I got so tired of discussing my future. I've started avoiding the people I love evenings of silence and mornings of nausea. <sighs> when the, the, there's only three lines here. The rest of the choruses are four lines. You don't get to the shake and sweat and I can't throw up line. Do you remember why you didn't have that line there? And it, cause it, it's weird that it's only three lines, but it's awesome. Oh, thanks. I think that that's just like some shit I do. Like, I, th- I think that like, I'm, I'm just as, a, a writer i am like how i don't know i i don't know if it's a something that i, I like i hate to say it's like a trick because it's like not what i'm doing but like to keep the song interesting for me a lot of the time i'll go like just do a half chorus you know that's, that's and not then, even and, a half and then do a full that, chorus but that's that, like that, somewhere in between it's just yeah. like unresolved um <laughs> it's, it's not unresolved though it it it, it should be because three lines in a chorus it's weird and then after the it, after you say you know nausea it just kind of stops yeah and then and verse, then, and then and verse then it's a party <laughs> yeah then it's shakers yeah no but it but it but it's really cool though um do you remember that in particular was that a conscious decision was the chorus ever four lines and you cut it back to three like when you were recording or was that the way it was written no i bet i mean it's really hard to like think i i when i'm writing songs uh i'm not like like a lot of the time it is just kind of like stream of consciousness like you have the parts uh like i have the parts in my head all right play it through and see like what makes sense so maybe like i was playing it through and then like you know the second time i got to that part i was like oh and then it could be like this and like this and like this you know um it wasn't it wasn't like a conscious thing like oh this represents this although like when i was done writing the song i was like oh this feels cool this feels like this feels right you know it feels interesting to me Right. So now, and and this is the line that that is kind of killing me right now, based on what you you spoke about a moment ago about about your friend. And I'm assuming that's what this means. The second verse is, I read the worst thing ever in a bathrobe of off-white terry cloth, translated by technology from your voice extremely inaccurately. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that's verbatim what it means. Yeah, it's just, it's about like, uh, well, I, I found out through like a Google voice and like I, I'm waking up like fucking hungover, uh, and like, and I, I can like thinking about a Baymont Inn and Suites now. I feel like it must be merging experiences or something. But I seem to remember them having like bath, like a bathrobe in the, in the closet. And be like sick. I'll go wear this bathrobe. Uh, and then waking up in the morning to like a Google Voice translation of this voicemail that was left to me. So I don't know if you're familiar with google voice at all uh it was basically like it it just texted your voicemails to you as okay. text um and reading through this and just being like let just be like that cannot that can't be right yeah uh and just and then listening to the voicemail and just being like oh fuck i like i got a show to play today shit fuck you know oh that's awful um man uh, so chorus number two hits and, and here's where the four lines come in. So it's the same as the first chorus. It's, I got so tired of discussing my future. I've started avoiding the people I love evenings of silence and mornings of nausea shake and sweat. And I can't throw up and, um, explain that line if you can, in the context of what's going on. Um, and that's a, I don't know. Uh, I, that's just me. Like I've got, I've got a vomit problem. Uh, I, I like, <laughs> I'm like a metaphobic. If I see somebody puking, it like freaks me the fuck out. You could imagine being about the music industry that got me some tight spots. Oh uh, gosh. Uh, and like I, there was, uh, this was during like a very long stretch in my life where like I hadn't thrown up for like 17 years, maybe 18 years. 
That's uh, a good stretch. And like, like I get super, I get super hungover, but like instead of uh, instead of throwing up, I'll just like sit and shake and like sweat it out and like not be able to sleep. And like I and like I tried to like throw up in these times and stuff, and like my body just like was is like no, I don't like this. I'm not doing it. <laughs> um, so it wasn't, it, it, it isn't like, and I don't know. I was just being honest about like just the physical feeling of that during. No, and I've, that, and, and I've seen, I've seen the way you roll. So, you know, you, you know, <laughs> it, uh, Jeff, Jeff's not pulling up to the local Applebee's and having a, you know, having a couple of Mick lights. Uh, yeah, this is a, this is a little uh, beyond that. Um, <laughs> chorus, uh, chorus two is, is a double chorus. And the second half of the chorus, we get the same thing uh, that I just read. It's the same four lines. And then out of nowhere. The sax It's solo. not the same four lines. It's not. Um, no. As, as I, oh, well, I, I, how, it, I, I, excuse me. Excuse me. The second line does change. And, and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm really glad that you, uh, you know that without the lyrics in front of you. And I'm an idiot because I'm staring at him. Thanks, Jeff. Chris, um, you're not an idiot. Please. <laughs> please. Not that come we, on. Um, I got so tired of discussing my future. Here's the second line. And thank you for pointing, pointing this out, Jeff, that I walk through my life like I'm the only one. That's a great line. Thanks. So great that you forgot it. Exactly. Chris. No, that, uh, that, that is a great line, though, that I walk well, that, through my that's life. The, that's like the one that like kind of pulls it together for me. That's what makes that's what makes all that about what this song is about or that's just kind of the one that makes the chorus make sense. So that's like to me why the first chorus does feel kind of detached from reality because at the end of the day it's like, you know, isolating yourself or feeling bad about these things. A lot a lot of that at least like for me just could come from a place of like I like no one would uh, everybody would basically like think I'm a fucking idiot if I was telling them like how I'm feeling or whatever. Um, and then just kind of trying to realize like, you know, that's not the case. Like you call your friends and shit and like, you know, every people, everybody kind of feels like that in a way. Uh, and, and going through your life, like you're the only one that feels that way is just like, is, is not good. You know, mm-hmm. well, and that line could mean a lot of things. That's what, again, why I love songwriting so much. It just, it could mean something so different to to many different people. I walk through life like I'm the only one. Okay, is he being egotistical, or maybe he's feeling like he's the only one and he's being empathetic to everybody else? I mean, that 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 line can mean a lot, and uh, it, it, it's really cool. Um, after that line, after that, yeah, thank thank you. After that line, um, <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, uh, I gotta go. <laughs> After that line, it uh, that chorus, excuse me, chorus two, we go into the sax solo, which kind of just comes out of nowhere, but it's just this. It's just awesome. And, and again, to me, it harks back to 50s rock and roll. And I know the Beach yeah. Boys are a big influence for you. And uh where did that come from? Did you know? Did was the bridge part written, and maybe it was a guitar solo, or maybe there was lyrics, and or and finally you just said it's going to be a sax, or from from the get go, did you know that was going to be a sax solo? Looking to elevate your music career, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that enables musicians to distribute their music to online stores and streaming platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Title, and many more. DistroKid collects earnings and payments, sending them to you, the artist. With DistroKid, artists unlock a world of possibilities. From easily paying collaborators with splits to securing your music with DistroLock, DistroKid covers all bases. Plus, you can promote your releases with HyperFollow and create eye-catching visuals with a Spotify Canvas generator, all for free. But that's not all. Introducing the DistroKid app, now available on iOS and Android. Artists can manage their releases, view streaming stats, and withdraw earnings, all from the palm of their hand. And for those looking to perfect their sound, check out Mixia. With its simple interface and customizable mastering options, artists can make their music sound polished and professional within minutes. And don't forget about Instant Share, DistroKid's newest feature. Share large files securely with collaborators, producers, and more, ensuring your music streams at the highest quality. 
Ready to take your music to the next level? Download the DistroKid app and explore their suite of tools today. Plus, listeners can enjoy 30% off their first year by visiting distrokid.com slash VIP slash Demakes. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash Demakes. Um, I, it's hard to remember cause I, there was a demo version of the song on, in like a collection of songs that I had put out before we cool, um, where it was acoustic guitar and that was just, and that was just a harmonica solo, I think, because like I was saying before, like that, I was like, okay, this is a placeholder. I'm going to write like a really cool bridge. That's really going to bring all of it together. And then like when I recorded that demo, I was like, okay, I didn't do that yet. And then by the time it got to the record, I was like, well, I guess that's just the part. Uh, <laughs> so and that's why, and that's why it's like the horns are kind of in a way, you know, just playing the melody from the verse, which is like not usually, like I, I'm usually trying to do a lot of stuff in the songs and that's kind of like a simple vibe for just kind of like where, how I tend to write. Um and then I think once it started turning out like that, I was like, okay, well, this song like has this fucking Phil Spector vibe anyway. Let's like try and blow this out like wall of horns, like, you know, just everything, just trying to make it real Phil Spectory. And like if it's gonna if if there's not gonna be like a new part of the song here, like let's try and make it big and feel Oh man, big. when the solo comes in, it's just like the the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. It's that it's that part of the song for me. I love oh. it. I love it. I love Hell yeah. It. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> man. It's, cool. No, it's a really, it's, it's, there's no wonder why this song has as many views as it does and why it's such a popular track. Uh, it's just, it's, it's awesome, man. And uh, something I want to touch on before we go through verse three and, and the end of the song, which it just, this song to me just keeps building and getting crazier. And um, what did producer Jack Shirley bring to the table with this track? Um, was it presented to him when you went in to record it? Was it presented as is, or did he say, you know, Know what you know we should double the last chorus or this should be this um jack so like when we recorded all of our records with jack like i am coming in the songs songs are done like i'm coming in with like track sheets uh that say like what uh, like i'm coming in with like fucking like things to tick off and it's like all right we have to get all this done let's go um so it wasn't like part of like the arrangement or like the structure or anything like that but very much with this record and all the and the reason why we have continued making records with Jack, um, he just like we had five days to make this record. I had never done a record before that hadn't been multi-tracked, um, and we talked about that over the phone. He's like, "Okay, yeah, we'll multi-track," and then like we got there, and he's like, "Well, you know, let's just set everything up because everything has to be set up anyway, and let's just play through play through it live." And just see see if you like how it sounds. Because I was like, well, the separation, the bleed, the this. What if we fuck up? And uh, we like played through a song. Um, and what we're done, we're just like, oh, that sounds good. I guess we're just recording live. So this song, <laughs> and this is the first record. So like this song is just recorded live. Like this is like, uh, I mean, it's probably, now that I think about it, it's just like bass drums and then those like guitar ring outs live, the piano would be overdubbed because we sure. couldn't really, the drums were where the piano was in the room that we recorded in. Uh, but like what Jack brought to all of this and to all of our records is just like making it all feel like a cohesive unit and bringing the energy of like a band playing together instead well, of having it be multi-tracked which especially for and for a song like this where like it is kind of like stacks of different layers and it's not really the kind of arrangement that's on the other songs i think that like approaching it in that way adds adds like an element of that phil specter era where like oh, yeah. bands would just get in and just smash it out you know well, Even, yeah, yeah, what what you're saying about about Jack and what he brought to the table this is is awesome, and it makes so much sense to me now when I listen to spe specifically this recording. Um, I, I call them happy accidents or beautiful noise. Um, <laughs> I, I'm hearing some wrong notes in this song. I'm hearing. <laughs> I, I know you know how to sing. 
Jeff. I know oh, you know. Oh. I know. I know you know. You were wrong. Those are just. I probably tried really hard to say it right. <laughs> no, no. But there is a happy accidents throughout this. I notice, and we'll get there in a second. In the third verse, it sounds like there's a sour piano note, and then it happens again. But it almost sounds like a minor note that's not sour. And I'm like, whoa. And you know, not going in and making stuff pitch perfect. There's an art yeah. in that that some people can pull off. That's your sound. Other times, it's like. Oh, it's a shitty note. It's terrible. That's not what I hear here. And, and I mean this with the utmost respect. I, again, as a songwriter, I would love to try to create something like this, but it would come off contrived. It would have well, to be. I, Go ahead. Uh, I, I think if you're the wrong notes you're talking about on the piano specifically, um, like in my voice is just like, well, that's what I sound like. But like the wrong notes on the piano is just, again, like me trying to like keep the song interesting. Like I think as I've written songs, as I've gotten older, um, I've felt, and especially as I've written songs that have felt to me like they're poppier, I've felt more of an urge to like fuck them up and play yeah. like, and, and like play yeah. the wrong note, play a major chord where it's not supposed to be a major chord or play mm-hmm. like these like dissonant notes just like in the middle of there. And Jeff, can um, I, can I, can I back up real quick? I, I, yeah. I, I use the wrong uh, verbiage. I'd like to, to, to retrace my steps. There's no wrong notes in music. I didn't mean yeah. wrong note. I meant no, no but a the, note that sticks out that maybe isn't in the key that you're playing. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you calling it the wrong note. Like I feel like I'm constantly like searching for like the wrong note or the wrong chord that like, feel that like brings that tension that makes you feel kind of fucked up well, like when it doesn't that's sound- what i'm looking for in like music that i listen to also and like right. i feel like beach boys like pet sounds that shit's all over pet sounds i feel like a lot of like hardcore records it's all over too like if you think about like a, the way the chords are in any like song on like those early seven seconds records like the crew or walk together rock together or like minor thread it's just like those are not like in any key. It's just like, all right, these four chords sound fucking sick together where they're played fast. Uh, you know, so yeah. I think it's like that kind of no, shit but it, I like. But, but again, that that's part of your sound, and I and and it's it's awesome. It's awesome. It's it, again, I couldn't uh, myself if I try to re- recreate something like this. Go, ooh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a really off note here. It would come off contrived, and and it doesn't with with, with your sound, and that's really cool. Um, and, and I was going to ask, you know, did Jack, and it doesn't sound like it. It sounds like he's kind of like wants to capture the energy and the vibe. Yeah. And that's really cool. So I'm assuming he never came to you and said, hey, you want to fix that note? Or, hey, we should probably go for this note and a vocal melody. I, I think it sounds like you came in with the charts and you came in with a vision of what you wanted. And he basically just engineered and, rec- and, and brought that vibe to, 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 to the record, to the recording. Yeah, J- Jack's, we work good together because Jack is just like the fucking best at capturing ever like he is he's insane he's so good at it that's you know? really cool well what i absolutely love we come out of uh of this 50s vibe rock and roll uh, uh sax solo and and by the way there, there's something about thompson twins hold me now that i'm hearing in this song too in places <laughs> i can't describe it but which is awesome too um <laughs> Hell yeah. That, uh, that's sick. <laughs> that, that, that's uh, Chris's uh, uh, cue to edit that into the episode right now. You hear, hold me now for a second. But what I love about the ending of this song is now it breaks down to just piano only, but it's not like the last chorus is just in piano. The damn third verse, just piano. Yeah. Just piano. Cleaned up the empty bottles, let the smoke out through chilly windows. I used the stationary bike. I watched the end of The Price is Right. Ordered an egg white sandwich, and I drove south through midday traffic, and I called up some folks I truly love and hung up after they said hello. Set that one up. I mean, that's just literally, that was just... And you were going to say that. <laughs> you know? Like, that, that was like, I mean, you find this out, and then it was like, okay, well... like. It's 9 a.m. I gotta like I guess I'll like try and like exercise because I'm in a hotel that has a gym and usually I'm sleeping on someone's floor and like I'll when TV's on, it's price is right. And then like went to a gas station that had a subway and ordered like an egg white sandwich at that subway, filled up my tank. It was just like, you know, trying to process stuff and calm people up, but not really, you know, ready to like deal with it, you know? I, I wanted to believe that this was was autobiographical and real 
And, and I, yeah. and I didn't until we started talking and, and I don't mean that with disrespect. I just was like, okay, <laughs> this is just some thrown together thing. And the fact that it's real, it just makes the song all that much more real. Cause again, and the, the conviction of it and the way you sang it and the way that it's put together is it's just, it's believable. And that's, you know, sometimes music doesn't have to be believable, but sometimes it does. And I think in this instance, it, it just works perfectly. Um, you know, we, we come out of this and then the last chorus hits and that's when we're introduced uh, to the first time in the song of what I call the, uh, the doo-wop woos, woo, you yeah. know, the, the, the fifties, uh, woos. Um, was that on the original idea for the song or was that something you created in the studio? No, that was, uh, I mean, that was, a. Uh, that I, I don't, I have, man, it would be cool to create something at the studio. I feel like when I go to the studio, I'm like a nervous wreck of like, all right, we got to get all this done. Like, I don't know if it, yeah, that was, that was thought of before everything that's on, that's on the demo one too. It's weirder on the demo too, because the demo is just acoustic guitar and voice. And then it just kind of seems like a folk punk song. And then it has these like ethereal vibes to it. And yeah, I just kind of, you know, for lack of a less uh, weighted word, I like I wanted that part to feel kind of heavenly. You know, I wanted to feel ethereal. I wanted it, and I wanted to feel also just kind of spooky. Um, and I thought it felt I and and it also like just doing it that way, just kind of mixed with the uh, I guess the aesthetic of a lot of the stuff that I was listening to at the time, which was like you know phil specter shit you know mm -hmm. yeah no it's it, it's awesome and again i want to touch on if you haven't seen the video uh for nausea <laughs> go the video for nausea is insane and <laughs> it's insane it, it, and it, it, it has it has vomiting in the video <laughs> on on different people on the audience and the audience vomiting back and then at the it's end it's not real vomit if you're no, not it's, it's, it's safe it's, for people who are afraid of vomit it's I confetti think. vomit but it still gets the point across and then in the end they they slice jeff's stomach open and they're they're just pulling out taco after taco yeah. uh, out of your belly and they look delicious by the way it's um, well those tacos that we got we also like we got like way we got extra like that was also part of the food that we fed everybody for being at the video shoot that night so if you want to be, like, be in a band you, know, you, you too can stay at the baymont inn and suites and have tacos it's the you know. <laughs> um yeah. so third chorus still this piano breakdown the doo-wop woos come in and this chorus is seven lines it's a full chorus i got so tired of discussing my future i've started avoiding the people i love Evenings of silence and mornings of nausea, shake and sweat and I can't throw up. I got so tired of discussing my future. And here's that line again, that I walk through my life like I'm the only one with evenings of silence and mornings of nausea. And it ends on the G, which I call the suspense chord. It doesn't come back and resolve on C, which is awesome. And you don't end with that line, shake and sweat and I can't throw up. You end on the word nausea, which is cool. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. That is cool. <laughs> so we <laughs> I don't know. We just we just broke down your song, Jeff. Yeah. This is fucking I I emailed you I was like all my songs are sad. I don't know what to like. <laughs> uh yeah, I after this record came out somebody was like, "Hey man, I think it's cool that your songs never resolve." And I was like, "Oh, what?" And then I like listened back to this record it's like, "Oh shit." Like, uh, I, these songs just like hang i love the non-resolve i've i used, love the non-resolve too no i love it it's almost like a cliffhanger it's like you got to come back next week to see what the the, the finished episode looks like you know or how how it ends and uh, i'm like it, it, it's like it, it makes you want to listen to the whole record you yeah. know no i'm Chris, a, not not to like get at you here but like you know less than jake records like they're like records records where you want to listen to all the all the songs you're not just like trying to listen to one song and i think that those are the kinds of records I always liked growing up. I always felt like punk records and like felt like that growing up. Um, and I think that's like the nature of leaving things unresolved is just trying to like continue the thread, you know? Yeah. They were complete ideas. It wasn't like you're just listening to one track. It wasn't singles driven, which so, yeah. much, so much music, especially uh, today is this track. Uh, when you wrote it, did you know that it was going to resonate with the fans? Did you ever imagine as, as a solo artist that you'd have, uh, you know, a damn near a million views on YouTube for a song you wrote uh, in a Baymont Inn and Suites? Uh, no, uh, but I thought it was a good song. Like, I thought it was good enough that I was like, let's make a video for this song. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I thought it was the strongest. I thought it was one of the strongest of the batch on that record. Uh, I... I don't know. I'm not like a person who really understands what the numbers mean. Like I, I never look at that stuff. Uh, I obviously know that like that is a, that is a massive amount of views. I know it's like our most popular song as far as like streams and stuff like that go. 
Um, but like, I don't know. I like, I, like I was saying, I didn't really write this for any intent other than to just write a song, you know? Yeah, no. And I, and I'm, I'm sorry if I keep bringing up that, that number. And no. it's, not, it's not like I'm trying to compare you to anything else. It's just, that's, that's a staggering amount of views and you should be proud, you know, Thanks. that that's all. And I think it's really yeah, cool. I- uh, I'm sorry if I feel if it sounds like I'm no not you know, a, not defensive. A, about no, it you're you're not being defensive at all. I under, I understand where you're coming from, but I'm just telling you as as I, an outsider, as a friend, as someone that that respects you and your art. That uh, I think that's really cool. And um, again, when you went out, do you remember playing the song for the first time? Live? It was probably yeah yeah. But uh, when I played this song for the first time, uh, it was probably like. I, I wonder if the demo was out there already. Like it was just, I was just playing it acoustic. I was like, Hey, I wrote a song, you know, that's usually like wh- when I do like acoustic shows and acoustic tours or whatever, a lot of the time I'm like, you know, just playing new songs that I'm hoping are going to go on the next record and see if, uh, you know, people basically are like talking during the songs or walk out of the room during the song and be like, okay, this one needs some more work. Well, no, you, and you answered my question. So this song was, uh, was revealed before it was ever recorded. You had been playing this. I think so. Um, but it was like, I was probably, I, if I'm trying to like fucking map out, cause it's such a, this is like a really murky time as far as like me being, uh, like a, a musician, mm-hmm. uh, because I I'd given up. Like I, not even given up is a strong way to say it. But I was like, okay, cool. I'm done trying to make this a thing. Um, it's really nice that I can occasionally like travel and play some songs for people, uh, and that I could put some songs up on the internet and some people hear them. Um, and I have a job right now, and it's cool, and that's that's good. That's all I'm ever looking for. So. It's hard to remember like in that period of time when anything was happening because I wasn't like doing traditional like, you know, album cycle things or anything like that. It was just like I was touring when I could get a weekend off and like or when I like had to be on the on the west coast for something i would just be like oh and i could play some songs while I'm well that and it know? sounds like you were bouncing between job interviews kind of trying to figure out your future and then look what happened i mean the last five years has just been it's, it's just no it's been it's been great uh, yeah it's been great it, it, for you and i and it's, I, the, I, it, that shit has been insane like it, it was weird because like i at the, like i got the job that i was applying for for this song uh during this like as i wrote this on the way to the train and like was almost late to that job interview like I'd gotten that job and it was a temp job and then it wasn't like particularly satisfying to me. I always wondered like if I just worked at a, if like if instead of working at like the kind of retail.com that I was working at as a graphic designer, like if I was working at like say the ACLU or like a nonprofit or just somebody doing some shit that I could like really like fucking get behind, I wonder if I would have I wonder if I would have like tried to hold on to that job. Like they offered me this job probably around the time that I was like working on this song. And I was just like, no, I don't think this is for me. You know, You're like, and no, I'm, 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 I'm good with drinking Boone's farm and hanging out in, in the Baymont in the suites. Cool. <laughs> you know? Well, I, I didn't know. I just knew I didn't want to work there for forever. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. It's like, which is a weird feeling. It's it, like to, I don't know. I, cause I, they had me on for so long as a temp because I like wasn't an idiot. And, uh, is it's weird to just be like when they're like, Hey, we want you full time to be like, no, I still kind of just want a temp and you should find someone to fill in for me when you've been somewhere for like six months working. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, I want to, want to let the listeners know if you haven't seen Jeff Rosenstock live, go see it. The shows are energetic. (laughs) They are sarcastic. You can't see it though. They, they are, are, (laughs) well, not right now, but they are. If you haven't seen it live, you're fucked. That's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna get vomited on. You're gonna pull tacos out of Jeff's stomach. But uh, no, it's a lot of fun. It's uh, it, it's sarcastic. It's funny. It's comical, and uh, you get a bunch of great songs. And Jeff, uh, I, I'd like you to leave our listeners with anything and everything you'd like to plug, Jeff Rosenstock related, and you can start now. Oh, I don't know. Oh, my band put out a record called No Dream this year. Uh, I think it's our best one. You should check it out. Um, also, uh, please, please vote. Please vote. I want the post office to exist so I could continue to have a record label. Please vote. <laughs> Any uh, Anywhere people can find you online that you'd like to share with listeners? 
Ah, they can figure it out. Just look up my name, Jeff Rosenstock. I've got, I don't know. It's all, it's, I'm on all the things. I love that. I don't know what Go, I, what just, would I say? What would I send anybody to? Just, my just, website? No, just, Nobody goes to a fucking website. Just, just Google it. Just, it's, what you just said is perfect. Just figure it out. Just type Punch it into the thing. Yeah. Type my name. Just say it into your phone. Google, all kinds of shit will show up. Google it's is your scary. Google is your friend. And if you stay at the Baymont Inn and Suites, mention Jeff Rosenstock's name for a 10% discount. Okay. Yeah. Especially please. on the hot tub rooms. Jeff, thank you so much for sitting in today with us. I, I really appreciate it, my friend. Yeah, thanks for talking to me, Chris. It's really nice to... Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Talk to you. As we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know. Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Krista Makes a Podcast, all you have to do is submit your song and bio to bandyoumightnotknow at gmail.com. This week's featured band is Human from Wales in the United Kingdom. Uh, Human is a duo featuring Tom Greenhill on guitar and backing vocals and Martin Ellis on vocals and guitar. Uh, Human is spelled H period, U period, M period, A period, N. Uh, You can find their music on SoundCloud and uh, they describe themselves as 80s nostalgia with Phil Collins vibes. I can totally get behind that. I think this track is killer. Uh, Here's a snippet of their song, Paradise. And Chris. This might come off contrived or like I'm just saying this or something that I just say every episode, but that might have been the best episode yet because first of all, Jeff, what a dude. Like I just could listen to that guy talk for hours. And second of all, I couldn't believe that song, which I've heard many times. I love that song. I love Jeff Rosenstock's music. Uh, I never would have thought there would have been such a heavy story behind it. No, me me either. I mean, I knew the conversation was going to be great today. Jeff's a, a, an amazing conversationalist, a, a, a great friend, and just witty and funny. But yeah, uh, me, me as well. I had no idea, Chris, no idea that it was going to take the turn uh, that it did. Um, just the title even makes sense now, nausea. Uh, you know, he was hungover, but he was also uh, nauseous and feeling horrible, that, that feeling in your gut when you hear uh, uh, something horrible has happened to somebody that you love. I was taken aback by that and also i thought it was really awesome that he shared that story from what he said it didn't sound like he's really told that story much before so it's an honor that he came on the podcast and told it no uh yeah it kind of reminded me a little bit of the bill stevenson episode just in its candidness just in how he was able to to share that because again, he, he even said it in the episode, he likes to keep his lyri- his lyrics a little bit uh, ambiguous, a little vague, let the listener kind of uh, form their own uh, consensus of what it's about. And in this case, he, he was able to, uh, to tell us exactly what it's about and share it. And you never would have gathered that from, from the lyrics that I just thought were some kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, for lack of a better word, kind of, kind of something he just made up one day, but it was exactly what he was living and feeling. Right. And on a different point, I really like that you brought up and you, you were like walking on eggshells about it by saying wrong notes and then being like, oh, I mean, no disrespect by that. I don't mean wrong notes. And he's like, no, they're wrong notes, <laughs> which I thought was really funny because what is so awesome about his recordings are that live feel, that authentic feel. There's so much of that music out there in the world that's just overproduced, processed just sounds like it's made on a computer and oh yeah jeff is not that at all he's not and there's also a lot of music out there that's just bad 
bad notes, right. bad timing, bad pitch, and it's hard to differentiate. And that, to me, is just as bad as sterile music that's quote-unquote perfect. <laughs> perfect pitch and perfect notes. And somehow he just creates these songs that... Uh, that have that that little bit of little bit of sludge in it, a little bit of uh, what you would call a wrong note per se, and and uh, it just it, it makes it real. That's the only word I can come up with. It makes it it makes it real and uh, uh, it gives genuine. Gives a character. Character it gives a character for sure, mm-hmm. and it's enjoyable to listen to. A lot of times on recent punchline recordings, Steve from my band's a huge Jeff Rosenstock fan, both of him as an artist, but also of the recordings. And I think a lot of times we've brought that up as a reference, especially with choruses, the way that Jeff has those big group choruses that just make you want to sing along. It's not necessarily this perfect uh, mainline vocal with the harmony or the, or the three-part harmony. It is this, it sounds like a group of people joyously singing this chorus together in a studio and, and, it sounds like that's probably how it goes down. Oh, well, I went and watched, you know, when I was, you know, I always do, always do a little bit of recon before I do these episodes. And I watched a couple of live performances. There's one uh, great, great live performance from Trees in Dallas uh, from 2017 that they did of, of Nausea. And it's just uh, the whole crowd is just singing that chorus, fists in the air, and they're just feeling it, you know, and it's uh, re- really, really cool to see. Right. And when you are a band or an artist, there's so many things to be influenced by you're you could be influenced by oh i heard this song on the radio and it sounded so perfect and i would love to have this recording that just slams so hard like that and sounds so pristine maybe if you hear a foo fighters recording or something like that you'd be like oh shit i want something that sounds exactly like that but then when you hear jeff rosenstock then you're like, oh my God, I want my recording to sound live and imperfect and authentic like that sounds. So you're always getting pulled in these different directions as far as what you want your recording to sound like. But I think I would always be happy to err on the side of a Jeff Rosenstock style of recording. Oh, for sure. And uh, there, it, it's like I said, it's it's an art form what he does because a lot of people can't pull that off and uh, and have it sound genuine and have it sound great and have it not sound bad, you know. And uh, that 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 song's a prime example of that, for sure. And what a funny guy. I feel like <laughs> oh, I feel yeah. like I I was listening over here on my end and just laughing. <laughs> no, and he sounded pretty. <laughs> so he sounded times. pretty sober. But you catch him after a few beers, and the the hilarity level goes up by about 150 million. The guy is just absolutely hilarious, and touring with him is uh, some some of my favorite memories over the years. He he is an absolute riot. Very nice man. Very nice. Awesome episode. And speaking of things that are awesome, Chris. Uh, yeah, everybody who contributed to last month's charity on ChrisToMakesADifference.com, which was Gilda's Club of Middle Tennessee. Uh, thank you so much for all the donations. They were ecstatic about all you guys did for them. That was really, really awesome. Uh, we're very lucky to have such generous listeners here at Chris to makes a podcast. I want to thank each and every one of you. It feels so good to give back and, and we couldn't do it without you. So, so thanks to each and every one of you. Thank you. Hell yeah. And now we have a new charity for the month of November. And that charity is Hope for the Day. Chris, do you want to tell them a little bit about Hope for the Day? I, I certainly would. This is another one that uh, is near and dear to my heart. I've uh, I've lost a number of uh, friends uh, and a family member to this. It's terrible. Uh, Hope for the Day is a nonprofit movement whose mission is to empower the conversation on proactive suicide prevention and mental health education. Their focus is raising the visibility of resources, providing education, and mobilizing people to take action. The first step to effective suicide prevention is breaking the silence created by stigma and letting people know it's okay to not be okay. That's a very good and important message. Uh, My friend Christmas has been involved with this organization for a very long time, and I reached out to her about teaming up for this month, and she was all about it. She was a fan of the podcast. I didn't even know. She's like, I'm listening to the Robin Wilson episode right now. I'm like, that's so cool. Uh, And so uh, she was all about it, and she even hooked it up so that Everyone who donates will be entered to win a Hope for the Day prize pack, which includes a hoodie, long sleeve t-shirt, and some other goodies that are valued at over a hundred bucks. So not only are you helping a great cause, but you also might get hooked up with some cool stuff. And I want to give a shout out to Christmas. Thank you very much for helping us with this. And uh, we hope we can, we're going to do something really, really good for you for the month of November. Thank you. 
And speaking of doing something good for somebody, Chris, maybe you could help somebody out if they want a custom song written for the holidays. I would love. Yeah, you say the holidays. I can't. Where did this year go, Chris? It's amazing. We're, uh, it's insane. We're we're already. Uh, you know, it's roughly two months out, but still, it's uh, it's it's upon us. And uh, yes, I'd love to write you a custom song, a jingle for you with that special someone. I'm going to be taking orders until uh, the end of the month, November 30th, because uh, I want to be able to de- deliver these by the holidays. So if you'd like a uh, custom song or jingle uh, from me, uh, you can write me at chrisdemakes at gmail.com. Uh, also, uh, The Blast from the Past, my first ever book. We're taking pre-orders for that now. Uh, you can go to chrisdemakesabook.com. Uh, to check that out. Uh, all kinds of bundles. There's music. I got a seven inch uh, associated with it, a poster, a calendar, uh, all kinds of fun stuff. And uh, yeah, go check that out. KristaMakesABook.com. And yeah, the uh, new Less Than Jake record, Silver Linings. We're taking pre-orders for that right now over at Pure Noise Records. The album will be out on December 11th. We're super stoked uh, for everybody to hear it. So uh, thanks to everybody out there for listening and to this week's guest, Jeff Rosenstock. It was awesome. We'll see you next week. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or were nothing more than a one hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.